When you think of Daniel, how many things come to mind? When we think of Daniel, as we've heard the story told in Sunday school so many times, mostly we'll go back and we'll think of Daniel and the lions. Daniel and the lions, and you know, it's interesting how many times when you're talking with people, even those who have not been raised in Sunday school, but they have any type of biblical information, and you ask them, well, when you hear the name Daniel, what do you think of? Mostly they will go back and they will say, Daniel and the lion's den, or Daniel with the lion's. It's interesting when you have the opportunity to look at ancient literature, especially the Medo-Persian literature, you'll, the number of times that you will run into this character who spent the night with the lions and lived to tell about it. Sometimes we hear Daniel and we just kind of let it go. We don't really think about it. We don't think about this person, who he is. Well, when you think of the story of Daniel and the lion's den, actually the story starts in chapter 1, but we don't read it until chapter 6. You find in the year 605 B.C., Jerusalem fell to the Babylonian army, which is led by Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonians had this habit of conquering, and then what they would do is they would take the people that they'd conquered, especially those in the area of leadership, and they would transport them thousands of miles and embed them in another culture. And the reason that they did that is because they wanted the culture that they conquered to cease to be. And so eventually that they would, they would go there and they would intermarry and they would be treated fairly well and they would cease to think of the culture that they were taken from. So what you find over in actually in chapter 1 of Daniel in verses 5 through 3, or 3 through 5, then the king ordered Aphanaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude at every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language, the literature of the Babylonians, the king assigned them daily amounts of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they would enter the king's service. Well, one of those that was brought was Daniel. And Daniel, when he, when he came, he had made up his mind he was going to do things differently. In the years that followed... Persia conquered Babylon in 539 B.C. 
This is 66 years. 66 years after Daniel was taken to Babylon. Our understanding of verse 4 in chapter 1, he says, young men. Young men. So, according to the literature and according to the definition, young men, Daniel would have been about 17 to 19 years of age. So if you do the math, you do the math from chapter 6, it's been 66 years. 66 years, that would have made Daniel 83 years old. 83 years old. By this time, he had lived through actually three emperors. There was Nebuchadnezzar, there's Belshazzar, and now he is under a fellow by the name of Darius the Mede. The Medes and the Persians had come in and conquered. Well, Darius decided that he wanted to be efficient. So he broke the kingdom down into 120 provinces. And over these provinces, he would assign high rulers, high officers, most of them were called satraps, And they were to take care of the business of the king. Well, over these 120 were assigned three administrators, one of which is Daniel. Daniel soon became very well known because of his efficiency. His efficiency as, a, uh, as an administrator over these satraps, better known as governors. And so, they weren't too happy when all of a sudden King Darius decides he's going to place Daniel over everybody. Now you can imagine how upset they were because, well, you've got two other administrators which have been undone by this guy Daniel who isn't even a Babylonian. And so they're not feeling very happy about what's going on here. And so they had a plan, and they set out to fulfill it. This plan was to undo Daniel. They wanted to subvert Daniel to a lower position, and so they got together, and they had a meeting. And in this meeting, they began to talk about Daniel. Well, it comes to be that Daniel is doing so well at his job you find in chapter four in the last or chapter six in the last part of verse four, they could find no corruption, no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. Wow. Think of that. So they began to develop this plan and they decided, you find it in verse five. These men finally said, we will never find any basis of charge against this man, Daniel, unless it's something that has to do with the law of his God. Interesting. Well, so what are they going to do? They begin to talk among themselves and they figured out this king, Darius, is like all the other kings. He has one problem, though. 
It's called pride. Pride. So, they decided to put some things together and they decided that they were going to get the king to write a presidential executive order. And so what do they do? You find, so the administrators and the satraps went as a group. They went as a group to the king and said, Oh, King Darius, live forever. Going to butter him up. Got to make things move their direction. So the royal administrators, the perfects, the satraps, the advisors, and the governors have all agreed. Now there's something you need to hang on to here. It said all, have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or man for the next 30 days except you, O king, shall be thrown into the den of lions. Now, O King Darius, issue a decree and put it in writing that cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So, King Darius, good idea. Good idea. Anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, that's no big deal. Just 30 days. 30 days. All you have to do is just bend a little. Just bend a little. A person would address his prayers only to the king. Only to the king. Now, that doesn't seem such a big deal. Not a big request. So King Darius gets out his pen and he signs it off. He signs it off and the people come back. Darius sits back in his throne. He thinks, good idea. Good idea. So what does Daniel do? Not such a good idea for Daniel, he says. So now you find in verse 10, now Daniel learned that the decree had been published. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened to Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had always done. Gotcha. Gotcha, Daniel. You're not going to get out of this one. No way. So some people might think, well, you know, that's not a big deal. It's really not a radical idea. Well, but you stop and you take a look at Daniel, who has a habit of prayer. A man who doesn't pray just at the morning and just before he goes to bed. Three times a day. Three times. Not just once, twice, but three times. And that th you would stop and think, you know, Daniel, come on, be smart here. Why do you have to go and open the windows so that everybody can see? Why do you want these guys that you know want you dead 
Why do you want them to see what you're doing? Number one, because Daniel is not just loyal to the king, but he's loyal to God. He's loyal to God who has said, you cannot have anybody over me. Not even the king for 30 days. So, what do we see happening here? We got him. They decide to tattle. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree during the next 30 days that no one prays to God or man except you? O king, they would be thrown into the den of lions. The king answered, the decree stands. This is done. It stands, and it's part of the laws of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be repealed. The king answers, he says, yep, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Well, Mr. King, we have something that we need to inform you about. Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention. No attention to you, O king, or your decree. He still prays. He still prays. Not once a day, not twice a day, but three times a day. Don't you think that's a little much? Three times a day. Well, the king, you find, realizes what's happened. He has been duped. He's been made a fool. He has done something that he shouldn't have done. Now you find in verse 14 it says, when the king heard this, he was greatly displeased. He was greatly displeased and he determined that he was going to rescue Daniel. He was going to do everything that he could to rescue Daniel. And it says that he made every effort until sundown to do just that. Because Daniel had been loyal to him. Daniel had served him well. The king did everything he could, but even the king couldn't undo it. All the king's horses and all the king's men now you know where that came from. Couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. They couldn't, he couldn't undo his, 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 what he had done. So, what's he do? So the king gave the order. The king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the den of lions. But it's interesting what happens here. The king turns and he addresses Daniel. And he says, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. May your God rescue you. May God do it because I can't. I can't undo what I've done. 
the king tried. If you go back and you look, he says he did continually over and over and over, tried to undo what he did, but he couldn't do it. But Daniel is thrown into the den of lions. He's thrown into the den. A stone is rolled over the opening of the den, and it's sealed with the king's seal. So nobody, nobody, no one is going to undo what's been done. The king goes home. The king goes home and spent a tough day at the office. He goes home. And what we find in Daniel 18, then the king returned to his palace. He returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. He could not sleep. You know, it's interesting when I, when I read this, a stone has been put over the door. It's sealed with the king's seal. I, I, I found another place in the Bible that they rolled a stone over the door, and it was sealed with the governor's seal so that no one could get in except the angel. Except the angel. In the morning, in the morning, what does he do? What does he do? He doesn't go to the local Starbucks. He doesn't go out for breakfast. He does one thing, and he has one thing on his mind. At first light, at first light, that's before even the sun gets up. You know what time first light is here? It's well before five. You begin to see the first glimmer of light over the horizon. At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Anguished. You notice he didn't go and open the door. Because I think he was afraid of what he might find. So he calls out. He's at a distance. And he calls out, Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel, are you there? Answer me, Daniel. Are you there? I can hear it again, the stressful voice. Stressful voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has the God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you? I couldn't do it. Could anybody do it? Well, you hear the answer. Who was your God able 
Daniel answers, O king, live forever. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me. Because I was found innocent in his sight. I was found innocent in his sight. And you need to realize that I have done nothing against you. I've done no wrong, O king. My God was able. We might wonder. You see verse 28. Daniel prospered under Darius, and he prospered under Cyrus, who was the next one who came in. But how did this come about? How did this happen? I believe that it happened because of what you find in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. Well, what's the big deal about all of this? They wanted those that were brought in to become like the Babylonians. That's why it was so important for them to come and to be accustomed. They eat from the king's table and they would become like the Babylonians. He must resolve. And here's the thing that I find is that anybody had any trouble lately? Yeah. Anybody had any trouble in the last nine months? More than you want to realize or admit to sometimes. We have to resolve in ourselves to trust God before the trouble gets here. We have to make that resolution. I will not defile myself with the king's food or the wine. It doesn't matter how good the world around us may look or the world around us may be, but we have to resolve in our own hearts and minds that I'm not going to become like the world. This has to happen. But something that I find interesting is you study the book of Daniel. As you study the book of Daniel, you find, if you go to chapter 9 and verse 4, he makes the statement in his prayer, I prayed to the Lord my God. You see, it's not the God of his parents. It's not the religion of Israel. It's not what everybody else does. I make God my own. When I do this, it becomes personal. 
I think Daniel is remembering the words of the covenant between God and Israel recorded, you find, in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, you find, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love for a thousand generations of those, what? Who love him and keep his commandments. That makes a difference between us and everybody else. It's a difference between us and the world. The Apostle Paul echoes this to the church at Thessalonica as he writes, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. You find, you find Peter saying this in 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 8. He says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, around you is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know, we have an enemy. We have an enemy in Satan, in the devil. You know, we live in tough days. I hear it over and over and over. You know, it's not like it used to be. You know what? It's true. But I see Daniel here at chapter 6 saying, you know, it's not like it used to be. If you live till tomorrow, you're going to find it's not like it used to be. Nothing's going to change that. I don't care who's in control, who's in charge. It's not going to be the way it was. These are tough days. Times have changed. I didn't hear any amens. Times have changed, but God has not. Times have changed, but God has not changed. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Rome, he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good to those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. If I say I can't, I'm right. I can't. But we need to remember God can. God can. I find over in Matthew in chapter 19 at verse 26, I hear Jesus saying, with man this is possible, but with God all things are possible. We hear him saying again, it's recorded in Luke in chapter 18 at verse 27, what is impossible with man is possible with God. You need to realize times change. And there's really not a lot that we can do to change that. It does change. But God doesn't change. God does not change. We find James recording in chapter 1 at verse 18. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. You find in Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 at verse 6. For I 
am the Lord. I change not. I change not. When I go back and I hear the words of the king, in Daniel 6, at verse 19 and 20, at first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? My question to you this morning is, is your God able? Is your God able? Well, I find in Daniel, same chapter, at verse 23, at verse 23, so Daniel was taken up and out of the, out of the den, and no harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. These are tough times, friends. But we have a God who is able. Who is able to do much more than we could even ask or think. Is your God able? My God is. Lord God, as we think on these words this morning, may they be such that will never leave us. May be such that even in the tough times, we would go back and we would hear these words of Daniel. My God was able. My God was able. And Lord, we know that you do not change and you will always be able. But help us to be like Daniel who continually serve you, who are continually realizing that though things change around us, you don't. We pray these things in the great name of Jesus who gave himself for us that we might come to you freely and know you as he knew you. Help us serve you well. In the great name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Know in this week that you cannot, but God can. God bless you. You are sent.